week's episode of Two Girls, One Podcast is all about office supplies. Which paper clips are best for cardstock? How much toner is too much toner? And what your staple remover says about you? I'm being told this one's not about actual paper clips, but a meme from 2005. Way to stay current, everyone. And now here are your hosts, whose documents are always collated, Jennifer Jamula and Allison Goldberg. Hello, everybody. I'm Jen. I'm Allie. Welcome to Two Girls, One Podcast. As you all know, Allie and I are performers. We use the internet as our script for many years in our show, Bloglogs. We then made a web series called Two Girls, One Show on Hoo-Ha, where we... What was that? I was, was thinking you hadn't done the sound effects lately. But me too, but mm. what was that? <laughs> mm, what was that? What? Was it one of us? No. No. Uh, our listeners will know. They will. All right. Well, chime in and let us know. <laughs> I'm at Gene Booker on Twitter. Um, if you can name the sound effect, <laughs> and I know you can, let Allie and Jen know on Twitter or Discord. I love that these are getting more obscure. I, I, the last one I remember was cool, 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 Yes. So anywho, we made a web series and now we are here making this podcast where we are interviewing people behind internet communities and phenomena that we find interesting. Welcome everyone. Allie, how are you? I got nothing. Nothing. Yep. Nothing's happening. I don't know. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week. Uh, I have something kind of weird and gross. Yes. yes. Go, <laughs> Go on. on. Uh, well, I was with a friend this weekend and she had a cat and the cat. No, 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 no. It's about to get weird. The cat has the cat has cancer. And so she's like administering chemotherapy drugs to the cat on her own, like with, wow. with special gloves. And she mentioned that if the cat pees what? on the floor, I know this is weird. That if the cat pees on the floor, they have to, it's like, it's like toxic waste. Like they need to, Whoa. you know, but cord it off the area and clean it up in a special Whoa. way. So, you know, the a few hours go by, it starts to get slightly dark out. I'm at her apartment and I walk back to use the guest bathroom. And when I come out, I realize that I've stepped in a puddle of this cat's pee. <laughs> <No>! <laughs> The whole weekend, I was like having my Jen's own personal dying. Chernobyl. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, is my foot going to fall off? I have a weird bruise on my leg. Like everything became an issue, but I think I'm fine. My, my veterinary friend, Philippa, said I'm fine. So. <laughs> my own personal Chernobyl. Yeah, that was clutch. Put it on a that t-shirt. <laughs> yeah, it was scary though. I've been an- so anxious. <laughs> Does she understand why that, like, I know chemotherapy drugs are toxic in nature, but that this would be harmful to humans or other animals that come in contact with the pee? Did did she explain that or understand that? I think it's that, like, the urine starts to break down the drug a little bit. And it's like, whatever elements are in this drug, it's just toxic to humans. I looked it up. 
and there are like five different things that are in this particular drug and i don't know i didn't really see like it didn't seem like i think in a very small dose like when you're wearing a tennis shoe and it hits the rubber like it's not gonna do anything <laughs> but if you like drank it or something i don't know yeah, you could probably sure. die yeah. why is the cat fucking pissing on the floor i don't know i think i got nervous that i was there or something i don't know also maybe Dude, it was trying to kill me cancer okay <laughs> cut it some slack whatever man yes, the cat's true. still going to the litter box not fucking chernobyl other people wait so jen what did your friend say when you stepped in it she was like sorry she so when i came out of the bathroom she had her like flashlight phone shining on it like she was like exploring seeing what was going on and she was like oh man now i have to clean this up and i was like well i think i stepped in it <laughs> she said well let me see the bottom of your shoes and then she completely downplayed it she was like i don't see anything not a big deal as the rubber but starts to, to burn off <laughs> Yeah. I know. <laughs> and like I was in New Jersey, I had to take the path train home, and the whole way I was just like, "Oh God!" Well, <laughs> I, had to get I don't know hospital. who this friend is, but you should definitely never see her again. <laughs> mm, mm. You yeah. had to take the path there, and you yeah, got just Chernobyl. Just going to New Jersey alone. No, this is no good. Yeah. No good. It was a weird. It was a weird Saturday. Yeah. <laughs> Do I know who this friend? Do I know her? Yeah, I think you met her before. Her, her, her name's me. also Allie. I know. <laughs> oh, fuck that. Well, I'm glad you survived. Chernobyl. <laughs> Thank you so yes. much. I'm glad to be here, guys. Also, I saw my family <laughs> yesterday and like I was riddled with anxiety. I went to Philadelphia to see them and like I think my eyes were all bloodshot because I was so anxious. And I was Wait, like, guys, why I stepped you in this. Oh, about just, the thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. About the cappy. And I was like, guys, I thought you meant your family. I, I was like, you get along with your family. <laughs> no, no, I love them. But like, as soon as I saw them, they're like, what's going on? And I was like, I just have to run this thing by you. And then She's they like, all started I'm laughing. Dying. Yeah, like I was crazy. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and now they're dead. <laughs> Oh, man, I, I laughed a little too hard at that. Uh, <laughs> How's the fam? <laughs> They're good. My brother had a birthday. All their birthdays are scrunched up together within like a month. So we just celebrated Except the last years. of the three birthdays. Yeah, I'm the black sheep. So that's efficient. Yeah, yes, I, I agree. Here, free idea. And I'm hoping it, this, this already gonna exists. It's going to be great. Do you, I can tell. Do you call it? Do you call it the jam fam? And if oh, not, actually, that was good. I did like that. I thought it was going to be dumb, and then I'm really on board. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we're the jam fam. We have Mama Jam. My dad goes by Sequoia. We all have like weird nicknames. Wait, what? Your dad? What? I didn't know that part. I knew Mama Jam, and I call your your brother Brother Jam sometimes. Brother but Jam. Your dad. Yeah. Sequoia. <laughs> Sequoia is like an old family nickname from a vacation that we took. And then Adam, my boyfriend, just sort of like started it up again. <laughs> so, I love him. <laughs> we all have nicknames. <laughs> so he's fitting right in. He is. Oh, yes. Good. I love it. Um, I just love fantasizing Adam about Adam hanging out with the fam jam. Is that weird? Like, I'm so mm -hmm. into it. The fa fam yeah. jam? Jam fam or fam jam? We, we gotta. We should lock oh, this up. Fam, 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 fam. Fam. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> yeah, you guys should definitely play washboards with that name. That's good. <laughs> Jen's killing it today. I'm gonna step out. Okay, what were you gonna say? <laughs> no, I'm just gonna say Adam uh, is. He suggested today's show topic, and he's so yes. so excited. He wrote me an email that was said questions for my idol. So um, I, I have a few questions. <laughs> Which, from to him. be clear, it wasn't Jen. It was our guest. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, on the show today, Mick Jagger. <laughs> yes. 
No, so seriously, today's show, we this is kind of exciting because you most likely have heard of this before. We are interviewing the man behind one red paperclip. His name is Kyle McDonald. I believe he's Canadian. We'll find out some details about him. But essentially, he traded a red paperclip for a house through a series of, I think it was 14 trades. There's a TED Talk. He has a website. This all happened way back in the days of the ancient internet, 2005, I think. That's right. And that's it. <laughs> <laughs> I, and we're excited to talk to him. Actually, no, but what's what's cool, I think, is it's it's old in terms in internet years, 2005. But there are a lot of things still happening because of it. And actually, there's this really trendy restaurant in New York that just opened called Red Paperclip really? that is based on this story. It's yeah, really? Yeah. So do you just bring like pocket lint and trade it for food? 100%. Is that how the restaurant works? That would yeah, be no, it's, a, it's for poor people. <laughs> yes, it's, it's just, a homeless I just, just, <laughs> I bring all my knickknacks and I hope they feed me. <laughs> all my knickknacks. But do you, do you trade at this place? No, you don't. It's like a fancy oh. Michelin what, what restaurant or some shit. But oh. their story is like... We've had 14 different jobs and kept trading up and trading up. It like is really pretty tangential, but they say they were inspired by him or whatever. And I'm like, bitch, you didn't trademark well, that. Yeah. Kyle's <laughs> getting licensing fees. We got to ask him. Yeah. So it's pretty <sighs> cool that it's inspired other people in a lot of ways to like just his was literally just trading up a paperclip to a house, which is crazy. But other people have used it to inspire themselves to like level up their lives basically so um yeah so it's still reverberating it's so hard to process how you get from a paperclip to a house but when you read the list of trades it's still crazy but actually starts to make sense do you want to read the list now or should we do that as part of the interview you know what? let's let's read let's... it now because i bet he's fucking tired of that of telling that part <laughs> mm, 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 mm. Okay. we're on the training timeline on wikipedia so he traded a paperclip for a fish-shaped pen. He traded the pen the same day for a hand-sculpted doorknob from Seattle, Washington. He traveled all the way to Amherst, Massachusetts to trade the doorknob for a camp stove with fuel. He went to California and traded the camp stove for a Honda generator. He came to Queens woo -woo, and traded the generator for what he called an instant party, which was an empty keg. An IOU for filling the keg with the beer of the bearer's choice and a neon Budweiser sign. I think the <laughs> second part of that is pretty important, Jen. <laughs> so this was his second <laughs> attempt to make the trade, apparently, and the first attempt resulted in the generator being temporarily confiscated by the NYC Fire Department. <laughs> then he Whoa. traded yeah. his instant party to Quebec comedian and radio personality Michael Barrett. I don't know if I'm saying that right, for a Ski-Doo snowmobile. He traded the snowmobile for a two-person trip to Yacht, British Columbia. He traded the second spot on the Yacht trip for a box truck. Are we saying Yacht right? I don't know. Y-A-H-K. It's a place, <laughs> apparently. It's in Canada, though, so yeah, who cares? So really he cool. traded the box truck for a recording contract with Metalworks in Mississauga, Ontario. He traded the contract to Jody Nant for a year's rent in Phoenix, Arizona. He traded the year's rent in Phoenix for one afternoon with Alice Cooper. He traded the afternoon with Cooper for a Kiss motorized snow globe. I don't get yeah. that trade, but he traded the snow globe <laughs> <laughs> to Corbin Burnson for a role in the film Donna on Demand. He traded the movie role for a two-story farmhouse in Kipling, Saskatchewan. Wow. Woo! 
I have to imagine towards the end of this, sort of like the media exposure helped yes. propel what was going on. Yeah. yeah. Was it known that he was doing this while he was doing it? That was actually yeah. a, a question of mine. Yeah, I believe it started so. really picking up a lot of press. Yeah. So I think that was very helpful in the trades. But uh, there's sort of an interesting concept here in terms of just what people value, right? I don't know if you just like don't want your camp stove anymore. You know what I mean? So like even though it's yeah. technically more valuable. So it's sort of interesting just in terms of like the sharing economy. I don't know that, that really it, it's actually, mm-hmm. I've been, lo- I've been watching a lot of documentaries about the environment lately. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> and I actually think we really should be trading more and not just throwing shit out. Yes. So yeah. Um, and as we know from the sweepers episode, uh, I, well now I have a car, but I could still use a, another, a nicer car. Uh, if anyone wants to trade some pencils, <laughs> <laughs> for well, a car really greedy you're you got a new car and you're like i need a better car yeah guys i have terrible news <laughs> oh, no. i scraped a pillar <gasps> no i <laughs> scraped a stationary object that's not the worst part the worst part is it was in the trader joe's parking lot no! <laughs> trader joe <laughs> I've loved you for so long. And now I go by Trader Joe's and I'm like, scene of the crime. (laughs) Oh, that's terrible. Trader Joe's. I know. I was actually really, really devastated at first and just so mad at myself because I was like, I'm such an idiot. Like, I just got this car. I've been driving it for a few weeks. I scratched a stationary object. I was so mad. And all my friends were like, welcome to LA. Someone told me it's called the LA kiss. (laughs) Yeah. So they were like, look, but most of my friends were like, look, it's just going to get, this is, this is what happens with cars, so don't worry. But it's not its not a small scratch. It's not a big scratch, but it's not a small scratch. Oh, <laughs> I mostly wanted to tell you that this happened at Trader, Trader Joe's. Joe's. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm so sad mm, that this mm. has affected yeah. how you feel about Trader Joe's. Well, actually, uh, I think I have to break up with Trader Joe's a little bit. Why? Because of all Whoa. the packaging? Because of this? No, not because of this. But actually, um, shout out to, on our Discord, Nephthys. I don't know if I'm saying that right. But like people on our Discord have been very sweet about giving me insomnia tips. And this person wrote about like, you know, have I thought about diet? And I have been thinking about it because my insomnia was getting better and it's really bad again. But anyway, long story short, there's some diet changes that mean that I'm going to be doing less of all of my favorite frozen Trader Joe's dishes. <laughs> Is that based on like sodiums kind of stuff or sugar? Like what, what's the theory there? Well, I was my insomnia is kind of bad again. And then I was like, why was it like getting better June, July, August? And honestly, mm. I was cooking all my food June, July, and August. So I really need to. Hmm. Yeah. Okay. So I think I need to just eat like really simple. Anyway, this is not nearly as fun as Chernobyl. But um <laughs> Let's let's so yeah, let's do it. Trivia? Is that what? <laughs> do, is that what let's you want to do? Let's do something. <laughs> let's That's do not anything this. else. Because <laughs> right. I am putting our listeners to sleep and it makes me jealous. <laughs> Today's trivia. As we know, Kyle's journey led him to trade a paperclip ultimately for a farmhouse. Today's trivia is about another farmhouse in northern Kansas. In 2016, it was reported that the 82-year-old resident, her name is Joyce Taylor, had been getting endless visits to her little farmhouse from the FBI, IRS collectors, ambulances, vandals, and angry people seeking revenge. What? Why 
were all these people descending on a random farmhouse in northern Kansas? I have three possible answers for you. This poor woman, or is she? Who is she? All right, mm, yeah, okay. <laughs> who is Joyce Taylor? Your choices are A, the most popular Counter-Strike streamer, that's an incredibly popular uh, video game and eSport, uh, the most popular Counter-Strike streamer in the world posted random geographic coordinates for his girlfriend's house as a joke online. Uh, these joke coordinates just happen to be the coordinates for this woman's house. That's choice A. Choice B, Chris Poole, the founder of 4chan, was doxxed in 2011, and the leak of his personal information contained his mother's former address, which was this woman's current house. Or C, a data mapping company erroneously indicated that 600 million IP addresses originated from her front yard. Wow. What? Yeah, this Wait, the last one? Wait, the, the uh, IP addresses were all pointing to her yard? Correct. 600 why, million. Now why, would you get, why would you get people being angry about that? Good question. I don't know. Or the, the people. May I hear B one more time? <laughs> yes, you may. I'll use it in a sentence. Chris Poole, the founder of 4chan, was doxxed in 2011, and his personal information, which was leaked, contained his mother's former address, that being, of course, the Kansas farmhouse address. I'm going to go with that one. Allie goes with choice B, Chris Poole being doxxed. I'm going to go with C. Jen chooses the data mapping error. We will find out the correct answer after this very important commercial break. but has high ink level as you can see from picture. Best pen in the world, in my opinion. We'll take care of all your scribing needs. Looking to trade for Candel, Trek, or Giant Road Bike. Mercedes Sprinter Van, Back Massage by Katy Perry, Taylor Swift, or other very attractive female. Uh, possibly a new iPhone XS Plus, Google Pixel 3 XL, or Samsung S10 Plus will include favorite drink for house or property in or near Malibu, Santa Monica area. Serious inquiries only. Loves. Well, I think that advertiser was clearly inspired by the one and only Kyle of the paperclip. I believe so, as many people are, as we're about to find out. <laughs> mm. I need that pen. I have a lot of scribing needs. Yes, I was thinking about that. Are you a scribe on the side? Can you <laughs> trade a back rub by Katy Perry? Do I know Katy Perry? Or I don't know other her very attractive female. Mm. Who can right, you whore this? out for this pen? I can, I'll tweet at Katy Perry and see if she's interested. You're good with the tweets. Yeah. yeah. I think that'll definitely work. Yeah, I think so too. Well, let's hear this trivia. All right, trivia time. Who's ready to hear what's up with a farmhouse in northern Kansas? Something went wrong on the internet and Joyce Taylor 
has been bothered by the FBI, IRS, random ambulances, vandals, and weird, angry internet people showing up at her front door. Why is this happening or why did this happen? Your choices were A, the most popular Counter-Strike streamer put up her coordinates online as a joke. B, the founder of 4chan was doxxed and people were showing up at what they thought was his mother's former address. Or C, a data mapping company erroneously indicated that 600 million IP addresses came out of her front yard. Uh, Allie, you went with... B, 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 B. It's gotta be B. It's gotta be B. <laughs> baby, baby, uh, B. The 4chan doxing. No, I'm baby Jen, you went with C. I, I, I did. The, the data yeah, error. that's correct. The correct answer is... is, is, is a C. <laughs> really? Data mapping yes. error. Okay. Jen gets it right. So... God damn it. What does she get? What do I get? One red paper clip. Jen, whatever you're one, given, you, yes, you can trade it. <laughs> you win. You, I will exactly. get you exactly. one red paper clip. And in a couple of years, I think you'll get the house. I think I might. Um, <laughs> so what happened? <laughs> Max Mind was a company that would, you know, as companies do, gather up unique computer and smartphone IP addresses, as many of them as possible, and sell that data to advertisers. You know, internet bullshit and privacy invading garbage. But they made a decision in this data collection system where if they could not identify where geographically the IP address was coming from, they would default to the center of the country, like the middle of nowhere, uh, USA. And it happens that this woman lives there. So fast forward to all this data collection over 10, 15 years, and 600 million of these IP addresses that just couldn't be traced, this system and these lists, which were bought and sold by presumably many advertisers, would default to this woman's house. So what's happening is these lists were all over the internet. And if someone slighted you online and you wanted to like get back at them and trace them, or if you thought someone was about to commit a crime or commit suicide, you'd send an ambulance to their location, or as the FBI or crime uh, units or investigative units were investigating like tracking people, they were like, hmm, this mysterious signal that we've been tracking is originating from this place. Let's go bust them. And in fact, it was defaulting to this erroneous location, even though they were tracking b- via these lists. So this confluence of random things was was culminating on her house, and she was being harassed nonstop by random people or the FBI or whatever, who didn't understand that this like shitty advertising company sold them a bad list or sold them like a default uh, location for, a, for an IP address that was just simply like, unknown what a crazy internet story this is truly what happened to her do we know yeah i i think this was rectified so i i imagine this is So we don't really know how she's doing we don't know how she's doing now but my perception is that after the stories broke uh things were addressed or that the company like company put out a statement said well we're gonna look into this we're gonna fix it whatever well call in joyce yeah, call yeah and leave us know. voicemail. I'm sure she's listening. Speaking of huge ramifications coming out of something that you don't really right, expect, right. 
Let's get into our interview and hear about how one red paperclip became a house. We have now with us our guest, Kyle McDonald, who again turned one red paperclip through a series of trade into a damn house. Welcome, Kyle. Glad to be here. (laughs) Kyle, are you so fucking tired of talking about this? That depends. Depends on uh, depends on my mood, I guess. Do you wanna just go? We understand. I can make this real short. Yeah, just walk away. No. <laughs> Did you ever think you'd still be talking about this for like 15 years? When I started doing the trades, I was like, maybe my family will care, or friends will care about this. Maybe some other people, but no, I, I had no idea. There's this this story blew up way bigger than I ever thought. We know you've talked about that part of the story a lot, but can you give our listeners just a really brief overview? Like, why did you decide to do this, and what happened? I was 24, and I was like, oh, I'm paying rent. I would like a house. So I looked around, and I didn't have a job. And I, I remember this game we used to play called Bigger and Better, where you start with a small object, and then trade it for something bigger, and then you trade the new bigger object for something bigger again. And I'm like, wow, oh, I wonder if I could like do that as like a professional. So I looked down, I saw, the first thing I saw was a red paperclip, and I just posted it on Craigslist in the barter section. Anybody want to trade? And then kind of immediately I started trading with people. And it took uh, a series, it took over a year of like full-time work, working at bartering, swapping for things bigger and better. And I wound up uh, getting that house after one year of uh, slugging away at it. So one thing I was curious about is you had to travel to get some of these things. So did you know that you were going to have like a budget going into this for travel or like, how did all that work? I didn't have a budget, but I did have a credit card. Which is great. So it's like, there's no constraints that way. Uh-huh. Um, and then I, I was actually just sort of <laughs> bombing around doing different work contracts that actually involved travel. So when I was in a different city, I'd go, well, hey, does anybody here want to, does anybody in LA want to trade? Does anybody in New York City want to trade? So I kind of sl- I slid the trading into the traveling, which was a result of like obscure work that I was pulling off at the same time. Right. Uh-huh. That's so cool. And like, we totally get the bigger thing, but the better thing I was wondering about, because like at one point, you traded was it it was you like went from alice cooper to a snow globe and i don't know i think like some people could be like is that better <laughs> i don't know so how did you like uh, what constituted better for you well better wasn't sort of like a marketplace condition it was like does one would one person out there think that that this one thing or this one object or this one opportunity is better and, and if so i should probably make take the risk and make this trade and then try to find somebody who would actually uh, like to trade for that thing. In the case of the snow globe, that was the only time I made 14 trades from a paperclip to a house. It seems really fast, but I mean, there was thousands of really crappy offers in between there. <laughs> the, the snow globe was the only time I wound up with that afternoon with Alice Cooper and I ended up trading it for a snow globe. And then I ended up trading the snow globe for a paid speaking Reddit credited role in a Hollywood film. And that was the only time I actually had a second trade lined up. I just wanted to see what would happen. Um, if, if I traded for something like quote unquote crappy and people right. lost their minds, they said I'd, I'd ruin their lives and stuff. I'd, I've been following this for a year. You've lost my faith in humanity. <laughs> <laughs> and the, the thing about the paper, uh, the, the snow globe is most people were like, that's a crappy $35 snow globe off eBay. And who cares about that? But the one person in the world who actually did care, um, was Corbin Burnson, who had the world's largest snow globe collection. So for him oh, to get a snow globe shit. that he didn't have and to draw attention uh, to his snow globe collecting prowess was worth uh, offering up a role in a movie. So. Wow. wow. And how did 
did you Wait, get connected? Wait, but did connect- you know that in advance? Yeah, how did you get connected then? What happened? He just, he <laughs> literally cold called me. I was on K-Rock in LA doing an interview, kind of like this. And he called me like half an hour later. Hey, what's up? My name's Corbin Burnson. I'm I'm driving down the Holland in my convertible. And I'm like, what? Is this a joke? Like, is this like a like a comedy sketch guy or something and like like a morning radio dj i'm like oh hey how's it going corbin he's like yeah listen i'm uh yeah i'm a bit of an la guy i make movies and stuff and i'm like what what's what's going on here <laughs> anyways he he's like i'd love to get involved somehow and i've got a, a movie coming up maybe i could work a a role in that anyways get back to me here's my give me a call uh let's talk this through and i hung up the phone and went to i'm like corbin bernson who is this i'd never heard of him yeah um and then he's huge. He's in Major League LA Law. Like he was massive in the late '80s, early '90s. He hosted Saturday Saturday Night Live. He was in you know, Kiss Kiss Bang Bang, The Dentist. He was filming Psych. And I'm like, this guy's seemed really cool and like down to earth. Um, and he was dropping all these funny LA things. But I looked down at the bottom of his Wikipedia article, and it said Corbin Bur- trivia. Corbin Burnson is arguably the world's largest collector of snow globes. <laughs> And he has like over 6,500 of these things. Whoa. So I never brought it up with him. And I was just like, wow, that's, that's interesting. I didn't know that. I didn't know who this guy was. And I didn't know who the world's largest collector of snow globes was either. So I crossed off two things with, with one stone there. And then uh, over the course of all these, like two or three months went by. And I, I was talking to Corbin every week or so. And I'm like, yeah, I've got, you know, this trip to the Rockies. And I don't know how we could work this out. But then this guy randomly called me up and he's like, I, I could use the afternoon with Alice Cooper and I've got a, a snow globe. And like he listed off all these memorabilia items as part of a package. And I'm like, wait a second. So I called up Corbin. I'm like, Corbin, would you trade the movie role for a kiss snow globe? And he's like, a kiss snow globe. What are you talking about? And I'm like, it lights up. It changes speed. It's got like different color lights on it. You plug it into the wall. He's like, send me a picture. So I send him a picture. <laughs> And he calls back and he's like, not only do I want it, I need it. And then, uh, <laughs> like, then we made a trade. And, and I, but I didn't have a backup. I traded for the snow globe. And then a week went by. Then I went out to LA and traded with Corbin. So like in that week, if something had happened, I would have like totally blown it. Wow. Why was he okay with you? Like, who were you allowed to trade the movie role to? That was semi-contentious. That was like, he's like, I don't want you trading this with some hack and all this stuff. And actually what (laughs) ended up happening was, and I agreed with him. I didn't want to, you know, (laughs) ruin his movie. I wound up with the movie role and then I was sort of, I mean, it sounds kind of tacky, but I was entertaining offers. Like there was hundreds and hundreds of people offering. I'm an actor. Like everyone wants to be an actor. So what ended up happening was a small town in Saskatchewan, Canada, like a thousand people, the town of Kipling, Saskatchewan, um, the mayor found out that this thing was going on. The town owned a house and they're like, wait a second, instead of selling this house on the market, we could trade it for the role in the movie. We could have a housewarming party and at the housewarming party, we could have auditions like American Idol style for the movie role. And we could invite anyone from anywhere to come in audition for this thing. It could be a huge deal for our town. And I pitched that to Corbin. He's like, I'll be on the next flight. Let's start. Let's get this thing oh going. My God. <laughs> and he was like totally all in. Like he, anyways, so I, I kind of worked with him to like make sure that something good would come towards him uh, with the, the second trade. But the town of Kipling got, it's a thousand person town in the middle of Canada in the prairies. And they got 3,500 people showing up at the housewarming party. Over a hundred people auditioned. And then they did the final auditions live on stage. Uh, 13 people stood up and took their turn. Uh, and, and the guy who ended up winning was a 19-year-old high, 
He had just graduated from high school and he was working for minimum minimum wage at the Bottle Depot, and he was amazing. His guy's name is Nolan Hubbard, amazing actor, and he flew like two months after that down to uh, L.A. worked on a film with Corbin. And then Corbin figured out that Canada has these film tax credits. And he's like, wait a sec, we could film a movie here in addition. So they filmed his movie uh, down in L.A. Then they came back and filmed another movie in Kipling called Rust uh, a year later, mostly comprised of actors from the town. Wow. Uh, and he went on to go to another town and do the same thing. And the, it was it was amazing Like for the, you know, I wound up living in, in the house, living in the house that I traded for in Kipling. But beyond that was the housewarming party, a film. And then uh, Corbin kind of kept pl- uh, playing those cards, and uh, it was really interesting to watch h- how this story spun off so many different things in its wake. Yeah, I knew the basic story, but that was amazing. That's <laughs> fucking crazy. Are you still yeah. in touch with these people? I'm. You know, I've, I lived in uh, Kipling sort of steady for a year and a half with my girlfriend, and we were <laughs> being in touch in Kipling's really interesting because you might not talk to anyone for six months or a year. But if you drive into town and pull up to your house, literally the mayor is on your front doorstep in huh. five minutes. And I'm not joking. Like it was like every time we pull into town, everyone knew we were there and we would sort of stay in touch that way <laughs> rather than kind of long distance. As soon as you pull into town, oh, the paper clip guy, oh, the word traveled, it literally travels way faster than the internet. Because you were like the town celebrity. <laughs> Yeah, it was like being Truman in the Truman Show. Like, <laughs> not really exaggerating. How do you stay in touch? People won't get off my fucking lawn when I get home. <laughs> They're in my house. <laughs> the grocery store is uh, is 50 feet from the house, and it would take an hour to go buy like a quart of milk. Like, would, and which is great. It was really fun to chat with everyone, but sometimes you're like, my cereal is like half full of milk. Like I got to get back there. It's getting soggy. <laughs> <laughs> I gotta get back to my, my Cheerios. Um, yeah. So how, so you lived there for about a year and a half, and then what happened? Did you sell it? Did you trade it? Did you Airbnb it? I, well, that was pre-Airbnb, if you can imagine. Yeah. Pre-Airbnb, pre-Instagram uh, pre even. <laughs> and I was like, what am I going to do with this house? Because I'm, I know that my family and my girlfriend's family lives elsewhere. We probably won't settle down here. However, I don't want to like... I don't want to blow this. I want this to, to benefit the town in some way. And I met up with the mayor and we kind of just discussed and said, look, if I, if I were to donate to this town, would you guys be stoked on sort of creating something out of that? And they did. And they, they took the, the houses donate to the town and there's a, a cafe that's been running there for almost 10 years now called the paperclip cottage cafe. Oh, that's, that's adorable. adorable. <laughs> Is your photo on the wall? Uh, yeah. There's like paperclip, red paperclip memorabilia and, um, like it's the real house. And when we got the house, it, w- it was in great condition, but we actually further renovated it, fixed up all the floors, painted it, took out the carpets and stuff like that. So it, it wouldn't have been able to be a cafe with the, the way in which we uh, traded for, uh, but then the work we did along the way sort of set it up. So I think it, it could potentially be a good, um, tourist attraction cafe for the town. Pe- people come from all over the world, um, to see this thing. It's only if you're driving across Canada on like the literally the main highway. It's only about twenty minute detour. So a lot of people, um, there's I did a TED talk a few years ago and it's got like close to ten million views on it. So people are there's like a second wind of uh, a new generation interested in the paperclip story. You could say. Mm-hmm. And well, are but- you still in touch with some of the other people that you traded with? Yeah, I, I traded with uh, like four, thirteen different people along the way, and. There's a maybe one or two that I haven't really spoken to since. Other other than that, there's um, 
yeah, I've, I've flown to New York City and hung out with with Jody and Bruno has been uh, he, he's been a huge part of a bunch of things after that. Um, I actually did. I've kept in touch with uh, Corbin and uh, a little bit with Alice Cooper as well. He was sort of like, uh, he was miffed that he got traded for a kiss snow globe. Yes, I would imagine. That was part of the deal. Actually, uh, Jody and I, who was, I traded um, uh, a year of rent in, I traded, what did I trade? I traded a recording contract, like a full st- studio time and uh, engineer time for a year of rent in a, in a duplex in Arizona. And that was Jody, and and she she worked for an airline, so we were, she was flying us around doing all kinds of silly projects. After that, and I ended up going to New York City and doing a project called Store Buyout in 2011, where we walked into uh, a, a bodega, a grocery store, a small grocery store, and literally bought. If the store was going out of business, everything must go. Like it's closing soon, and we literally bought everything in the store. So if you go to storebuyout.com there's a little video about that whole thing. So when you were trading, how did you get comfortable? Like, did you just trust that these trades would happen and that you would receive the things as people describe them? Did you always go in person to see the items? How did that all happen? Always in person. Like when I started this, it was sort of like, um, I, I was actually writing a blog, just traveling around and meeting people. And it was sort of a travel blog ish, like kind of thing. So it was more important for me to actually meet the, the person, the people that were making the trades than the, the items itself. Um, when you're trading a paperclip for a pen, it's pretty easy. You go to a parking lot of a 7-Eleven and you, your mom <laughs> takes your picture and you put it up on your blog and then uh, it gets a bit more, it gets a bit different when you're trading for, you know, recording contracts and years of rent and a, a snow globe that could break and ruin your entire project. You and your team of lawyers like, pull up to a 7-Eleven parking lot and do the trade. <laughs> yeah. No, it was always in person, always with a handshake. There was no zero contracts, but th- that was the thing. I wasn't trading for any of this stuff. Actually, the only contract I signed was the transfer deed for the house at the end because... I mean, the town owned it, and then at the end, I ended up owning it. But everything else went to someone else, so it was all sort of a... I was just the intermediary Mm -hmm. along the way. Mm My boyfriend would like to know. <laughs> uh, He's obsessed with you, just FYI. Yeah, he loves your story. Um, He was curious, are there any war stories from negotiations or potential trades that fell out? That's a... You know what? I've never been asked that question. Fuck yeah! There's like six... There's about six questions that always get asked. Yeah. What was your favorite trade? Do you regret trading? I've never been... I, I don't have a quick go-to answer. Yeah. Um, there, there, were, there were some people that... There, there was a certain... Um, let's say I got 100 offers. 10 would be pleading slash sentimental slash you owe me and i was like whoa this is kind of i'm just i'm just a guy here like i think why some people do you thought owe was, them well yeah and but i think that's a tactic they play the guilt card a bit and i didn't i sort of those ones got shelved uh, not to be heartless but i, can, I don't have time to mm-hmm. uh yeah, yeah no, fuck those guys yeah yeah there was a couple that i had lined up ready to go and then they backed out at the last minute which was uh, annoying first of all but i mean it was just a, it, you know, I was, this is three trades in. I'm posting this to my blog. I'm not telling anyone I'm posting it to my blog. I'm just some sketchy guy on Craigslist <laughs> saying I'll meet up with a generator in the parking lot. Like, so I, I, I understand why they would back out. Um, and there was one or two trades where I, the person was like, this is so cool. I'm, oh, I'd, lo- I'd love to be part of it. I won't, I won't lie. I'd love to be part of this story. I've been following it from the beginning. I've got X item, an old, uh, what's it called? A, uh, uh, 
treadmill. I've got a treadmill and I'm like, wow, okay, that's could be good. And then I show up and the treadmill is garbage and I'm like, ah, you know, yeah. I don't think I can trade for this man. So, but then we, we sorted it out and uh-huh. that kind of thing. Gotcha. I've actually, I've, I've kept in touch with a few people that I went and met up potentially to trade with and didn't trade with for, uh, just the simple reason that they're like, I don't know if you're going to want this, but anyways, I just wanted to meet you. And I, <laughs> some of those guys have been awesome. Like some hilarious, four by four jeep self business media slash advertise like some just hilarious variety of occupations wait even though they like lured you in under false pretenses (laughs) i'd be so pissed well they thought it was good but then they hand you a beer and they like go like hey do you want to go jump on the trampoline like there was there was other things going on that were sure i'm driving by here anyways might as well <laughs> it's less about the items and it's more about the risk for me and and, and it's like mm. if I, you're about to make a trade or you're you're negotiating a trade and you're looking at the the concept of the item and and i imagine you're asking yourself like if i close this trade this might end up being a dead end and the in the experiments over I, I imagine you had to plan two or three steps ahead of like I know someone will want this generator because they've, they, you know, I've met someone along the way who wants this. So when I do this deal, I'm reasonably guaranteed I can continue the experiment. Yeah, it's like the opposite of cash. Like if you get cash, you can. Everyone's got something that they'll trade for that right. U.S. dollar bill, right. and that that is semi universally accepted everywhere. And so barter is the opposite. I found two tactics worked. Was uh, looking forward, I, I didn't really do two or three trades because it was so chaotic and I was getting offers like by the minute emails and were rolling in. The phone was ringing off the hook most of the year. And, uh, when phones used to have hooks that they would ring <laughs> off of, um, <laughs> yeah, I, I would just sort of think, okay, w- with, is this something that I could easily trade that is, and, and more importantly, do I want to trade with this, whoever this is on the other, other end of the trade? That was, that was the main thing. Who do I want to trade right. with? Because, someone makes it easy and they seem really cool and they, they actually call. That was the thing I never told anyone. Um, I never posted this on the website or said while I was making the trades, but I only trade with people that called me up. Like I would take offers by email and it, but it's hard to gauge what someone's like, but if someone would pick up the phone and call, it, it really set them aside and it's much easier to get along with someone vocally, verbally than by email. So I, I, I if someone made an offer by email, and then called, there was a high, super high chance that I would end up trading with them. It just sort of, I guess they just worked harder for it or something. But the trading for two types of things, something that would be easy to retrade or so unique that it would have its own cachet of value. So like at, an afternoon with Alice Cooper was a classic example of something that is in, like very obscure. Most people in the world would not care about that. Like I know he's famous rock star, but to people who follow Alice Cooper, it was worth outsize amounts of, of subjective value to them. So I was always trying to trade for something either unique or commodity ish. Mm-hmm. We have a few questions from our discord server from listeners of the podcast. And one of these, I think you might've mentioned is one that you get a lot. So maybe, you know, we could just cover it now at CD Harrison asks if there was anything you regretted trading after. Um, no, and I, 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 yeah, I get asked six things all the time. What, what are you, what's your favorite trade? Does anything you regret trading? Do you live in the house? Um, I forget the rest, but there's, there's so many of these. <laughs> and the, the answer to all of them is that the trades were less important than the, the people I met or the experiences. So, um, there was nothing that I actually traded for that I wanted. 
there, like other than you know the house at the end, which was great to live in. But even then, it was more important to kind of continue the chain on, um, and it was it was more of a social experience. Um, spending time with people and to and figuring out how to make the trades than the items itself. Although the story is told through the items sort of as a as a chapter heading. Something I was wondering too, at almost surely in our Discord server asked if you think the fame and hype you got once the word about your trading went out went out helped you reach your goal? And if so, for which trades? The ones towards the end? Uh the, the fame and all the promotion helped immensely and it changed the way that I approached the project. From the beginning, it was just about random Craigslist posts, and I figured that I could continue on doing that for weeks, months, perhaps years, making trades with people. But when I realized that some, uh, so many people were following this thing, and, and I, my phone started ringing, I started getting email email requests to go on TV shows. Um, I, I took all of them because I just it was hard to find people to trade with. It was you know if you wind up with a electric generator, you can sell it quite easily, but not many people want to trade with it. However, if you kind of splatter effect and go on like a national news program, uh, and you reach a million people, maybe. 50 out of that million actually have something that they want to trade. So it, was, it became a, a tactic that I used and, and it absolutely helped uh, the project happen. But I, I don't want that to discourage anyone and think that they need publicity to do so. Um, I just employed that tactic in order to, to make the trades. I think if you were uh, had a bit more uh, pep in your step and actually went out to the streets and, and knocked on doors and uh, chased down deals in your neighborhood, even without the internet, I think you could come up with a, a lot of really good items that way. How did the meaning of the project change for you throughout its execution and then in the 15 years since? <laughs> it went from like, oh, hey, here's a silly idea. Let's try this out um, while I was doing other things into um, where now I'm known as the guy who did this, which, you know, over over, over a year and a half, it went it went from the, the idea of trading a paperclip for something bigger to you know being on national news and writing a book and doing all I was on like today show holding up a book and that was a year after I started a year and a half after I started this thing um, and then now people corporate events schools play the game not bigger and better they play red paperclip which is it's sort of urban legendy um, which is interesting because I think if I were to walk down the street almost nobody would ever know who I am and know that that story exists but the idea that that it's like a cultural thing I, I'm, I'm much more excited and proud about that um and it's actually funny when someone's heard of the red paper clip story and then i go oh yeah well I, yeah i was the guy who did that and i, I don't like, <laughs> i don't put that out there but some of my friends use that to great effect sometimes and uh or my, you know, my brother and our friends we they'll go you know who that guy is and sometimes the person they're telling that to is like, no way. I followed that entire story. I've read the book. <sighs> Whoa, like what? Like they're starstruck. And it's an odd feeling. I, I don't particularly enjoy that, but it's kind of worth it just to see the how excited they are. And then then I get to go let them down in, 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 in real life <laughs> and do something silly or pedestrian that goes, oh, okay. <laughs> Which is great because I think anyone can go do this if they, if they put themselves, you know, if they put the time and effort, they can go do something that, can become famous or uh, to, to great result, which I think, I think the paperclip story was a, it, it went to great result. And uh, I hope it, I hope it motivates people to go try stuff out. Yeah. So you mentioned that they're playing it in schools and things like that. What are some of the different spinoffs that you've inspired? Also, did you trademark that shit? <laughs> <laughs> I, I did not trademark barter and I, I did trademark uh, one red paperclip as a term. Uh, okay. 
And then it's been, you know, it's been trans. The book has been, I wrote a book about it. One red paper, how to trade a paperclip for a house. It's, a, it's on Amazon. You can email me if you want a free Moby or text file or whatever. Um, I didn't trademark any of the stuff, but what I've, what I've realized is that most, most people that I've, I've spoken to that have actually gone and done this, this trading stuff had never heard of the game. It was a bit of an obscure game in high school that so some friends had played at summer camp kind of thing, but now it has become more uh, mainstream at, at corporate events and schools. Um, a lot of radio shows actually have done very well with this. They've started with uh, an old microphone and they've tra- swapped it and they go live on air and they'll play the whole publicity angle where they'll... Um, if you guys want a, a seafood dinner tonight, go down to this restaurant. They're offering up a trade item, so the the restaurant or the the motorbike shop gets gets promotion. And I've there's been like literally dozens of instances where mo, uh, radio stations have traded up to things like a motorcycle and they auction it off for their Christmas charity auction or things like that. So oh, that's so kind of cool. cool. I, I think it's a fun game, and it, and you can any kid can start with any small item. Have people emailed you with personal stories about how this has affected them? Uh, yes, uh, and it's it's interesting because I, I remember writing stories similar to that myself, where uh, to different authors or hey, you, you, this book really motivated me. So just to actually be a recipient of those is semi surreal. But um, the, I, I don't want to like sort of paint everyone with the same brush. But the, a general theme would be um, I was considering doing this i read your book i went and did it and it's been successful thank you for the inspiration and i mean i i don't want uh necessarily want the thanks at all but i'm just glad that it did inspire someone and to go try the thing take take the risk and it's most of these risks are pretty small especially when you're young like to you trade away your paperclip and it nothing happens like it's still just a paperclip it's not like you're risking everything that's that's kind of the message i uh, if you never know if you can trade a paperclip for something bigger and better unless you actually go make a trade and in the end it's still just a paperclip did you know about the new restaurant in new york oh yeah that's right i heard about it and i yeah it's i I sort of did a little bit of research and i kind of was like i don't want to know too much i'd rather just kind of go there at one point but (laughs) surprise them is it in like tribeca and it's called red paperclip i think yeah so i don't i don't know i'd I'd be funny to surprise them but i read this the spiel and it was sort of inspired by the paperclip story or something yeah, yeah. My cousins just went and then they were talking about you at dinner. And I was like, oh, I'm interviewing that guy next week. Oh, that's fun. <laughs> so thanks. But, but if you trademarked, you trademarked the phrase and then they're naming a, re- a commercial enterprise red paperclip, like, you know, get those yeah, lawyers out. What the you hell, know what man? I'm saying? Get some money. Yeah. I'm tempted. <laughs> I, I just feel like the whole thing is better open source. Although it is kind of tempting. I've, I've, feel like I look, I've actually looked at, not in this instance, I've looked into it and it's like, well, it's a completely different industry. It's a di- different jurisdiction. And Okay, but what about... If I were to sue them publicly, though, I bet I could get a lot of free publicity out of that. And then maybe that would <laughs> offset the cost. You're we right, though, <laughs> that right now you have like this very rosy image and that would fuck with that. But how about free food for you and everyone you know or who has interviewed you in perpetuity? <laughs> yeah, I'll you, what, let's work out a percentage. You can you can be the uh, the deal okay. maker on that one. Cool, cool, cool. <laughs> well, what if the food's no good? No, no, my cousin's fine. Mm. I hear it's very good. Yeah, okay, don't you yeah. worry. Your brand has not been sullied. <laughs> um, well, how do you think this stunt would be different today, especially in today's internet? Yeah, uh, it'd be completely different. I, this was pre all social media. I used uh, a website. It was called a blog, but it was it was a static website. 
um, an email address and a phone number. Uh, photo uploading at that time was hardly a thing. I used Flickr, which is not really used by many people these days. Uh, there was no video hosting service. So I, I, everyone asked, why didn't you film it? And it's like, <laughs> there was nowhere to, I, no one had video cameras. Like you needed a semi pro rig at the time and there was nowhere to post these videos. So during the, during the paperclip story, YouTube came out, Facebook, all these things started happening. Um, I think immediately now, if you were to do this, you would do a YouTube channel, Instagram, Twitter, and probably some like up daily update kind of stuff. And I think that could be done really well by someone who's entertaining. Um, but if you were just sort of doing more like once every few weeks, I think it would be almost harder to do. And I, I honestly think that um, the idea of a, a regular guy, quote unquote, going out and doing something using the internet at the time, it was remarkable. And a lot of the newscasts and media attention was that, wow, there's a guy using the internet to do this. Whereas now that would be like, what do you mean? Like, that's how you would do that. Now it's like man goes offline for a week and like you're on the Today Show. <laughs> yeah. How did he live? How did he order yeah. his pizza? Like, also, there's no such thing as a regular guy. Today, you'd be an influencer. Oh, that's right. That's yeah, true. Yeah. I've seen people try this in currently but i think that i've never seen anyone actually do it in real time they'll go film a bit and then they'll post the video the key for me was an ongoing project i, I started it and then people it was an ongoing collaborative effort for over a year um and it would be it would be much easier to do now in terms of uh, people you know reply tweeting to you or posting comments mm -hmm. or um there was none of that at the time there was a blog post and comments but now you could be I mean, you could you could FaceTime the entire thing. You could live stream an entire year and then make a crazy edit at the mm -hmm. end, which was unthinkable 10 years ago. Yeah. yeah. Kyle, I have one more question for you, and it's not a fun question. Uh, what were the tax implications, if any, of your trades, and how did you handle that? <laughs> yeah, if, if I were to end up with each item, it was, I traded for one, and then I would trade again. So it, it sort of went, uh, and it was negated all at the end by the, uh, the house being donated. Ah, uh, so, okay sort of like a yeah an acquisition and then a return like a uh, what is it like a carry forward loss or there's some ter tax okay. term but um i guess technically each of these trades was tax liable and each individual person potentially could be tax liable but then you get it got really complicated really quick because i was trading with uh you know american individuals representing an american corporation slash individuals in canada so it's every every person had to deal with that themselves um most of the items were negligible value so that was kind of that was the the easy answer is uh, most of the stuff wasn't worth much well on that uh really fun note we'll leave you with taxes thank you so much for joining us today yeah thank you kyle glad to be here that was super fun thanks guys i just i can't believe i mean i can and can't believe that this is still resonating now like that a, like a hot new restaurant in new york opens you know in 2019 that's I insane know. <laughs> yeah yeah although their connection was tangential i was like what yeah you moved up in your career okay assholes i don't know yeah. i have a michelin star restaurant what does that do to me yeah he should definitely get free food there i mean i'm I sure mean, they'll give him a free meal if he shows up and he's like i am the red paperclip guy i wonder if they'll be like prove it <laughs> <laughs> yeah probably i don't even know how crazy is that though but, for him? Yeah. That he, yeah nobody knows who he is he did this thing and inspired so many people he has a book like but that he can walk down the street and still be anonymous i, I think he is that the best kind of fame yes or... i was just gonna say that i think that's the best kind yeah. of fame 
Yeah. Like yeah. your idea is super fucking famous, but nobody knows who he is. Yeah. You inspired millions. I love that like people have read his book, but like, you know, he walks down the street and they don't know. Yeah. 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 It's cool. It's a little sad to me. Like, I mean, it's obvious, but like how much the internet has changed. You know what I mean? Where it's yes. like, well, mail would have to be like edited and you'd have to have like Instagram and Twitter. Oh God. It just feels so overwhelming all the time. It's so hard to have human to human interaction in just like a pure way, you know, <laughs> that <laughs> I just want Alice Cooper to call me up. I don't want to have to like Photoshop any shit or. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Well, yeah, plus you don't know how to Photoshop, so that would be really difficult. <laughs> how do you know? <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Because Jen, one time Jen said, I'm going to learn Photoshop. Yeah, like, and then yeah, like I do in, at the end of every podcast. <laughs> I'm going to learn Esperanto. <laughs> Psych. How's that coming? Vicky <laughs> Ju. <laughs> I was convinced that the Kiss Snow Globe that the collectability of that was about KISS because I am not in that culture, but I'm aware that KISS memorabilia and merchandise is a thing. And I thought he was going to say like, oh, the KISS collectors needed the, yeah. this rare snow globe. But turns out Josh Corbin just needed Josh a, snow, Groban. a snow globe. For his, <laughs> Josh Groban. Cor- What's Corbin. What's his name? Corbin. Burns, B- Benson? Corbin. Yeah. Corbin Burnson. Ben- Josh Groban needed Corbin. a snow globe. Oh, sorry. You're, you're right, Matt. Sorry, sorry. Corbin Burnson. Yeah, Corbin Burnson. Okay. okay. Yeah. I love that, it. that he had this massive... Not only do I want it, I need it. What did he say? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's amazing. Oh, Jen and I uh, sort of know the collector of the largest phallus collection in New York City. Not surprising <laughs> at all, but the way we know him is In surprising. North America. In North America. North America. Nice. Oh, my God. Should we interview him? Probably yes. What he was the doorman at our, at old, our old office space. building, and I actually uh, walked uh, by uh, that building the other day, and he was still at the front desk. So if we really want to find him, we could. <laughs> but somebody at our define phallus. Well, it was like both art pieces and sex toys, like actual functional whatever. But it was mostly artistic, and I think it was like in his apartment. And it, but it was the largest collection <laughs> in North America. And uh, somebody, one of our friends at our co-working space, like got to know him, and this just like came out that the, he owned this. Um, and then we looked in, in conversation. conversation, and then we looked him up, and he was anonymously written about in some article. I need to find that again. But he and it showed his profile, and it definitely was that guy. He had sort of like a Frankenstein-looking <laughs> profile. He was like really tall with like kind of a weird shaped head. I don't know. <laughs> anyway. Square uh, head. Yeah. Accurate. <laughs> yeah. I'm I'm disturbed, as I'm sure most people are, that North America's largest phallus collection fits inside a New York City apartment. Um, I'm sorry. We are, we are referring to it as the phallus palace, right? Oh, that's what it's called. <laughs> oh, okay. Great. 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 Yeah. That's, yeah. But like, where do you live if your phallus collection is in the apartment with you? Well, here's like, how the thing, big could Matt, this place a be? Of, a lot of phalluses have suction cups at the end. So it could be that he's lined mm. an entire wall. So even if your walls like aren't bed. that large, you could, you could fit a lot in there. Yeah. I thought right. you were going to say, like, cre- that's what she said. I'm- he created, <laughs> <laughs> he created furniture with it. It's like a, Phallus couch. Is that so? I don't okay. know. <laughs> that's what I mean. I guess that's my point. It's like your entire living space where your mom also comes and visits. No, your when mother she's doesn't there. visit you when you live in the Phallus Palace. Right. But you can't bring yeah. anyone home. Yeah, no, it's not like you have a room where you keep your sweepstakes. You know what I mean? <laughs> right. it's you can like, just like yeah. close the door. Yeah. Guys, I just looked it up. Yeah. Yep. But you can close the door, but the knob is a dick. You know? <laughs> you all need to check this out. It's an Atlantic what? article. 
The Atlantic, a tour of Manhattan's Phallus Palace, one of the world's foremost <laughs> collections of phallic art, the resides Atlantic. in the Manhattan apartment. Yeah. It's a human interest piece. The 58, this is what the Atlantic is known 58 for. 58-year-old man, this was in 2013, so now, you know, much older, who wishes to remain anonymous, described the place as, quote, a cacophony of cocks, a deluge of dicks, a plethora of peni. <laughs> you, oh yeah, you have to read this. It's great. We, we will link to it in the show notes. And we'll get him uh, on the show. Cool, cool, cool. Well, we stayed really on track for that rap. Thanks for joining us, Kyle. <laughs> Woo! You're not Thanks, a dick. <laughs> so everybody, as always, we would love to hear from you. Please tweet at me at Junebugger. I'm at Allie Gold, A-L-L-I-G-O-L-D, J-O-O-N-B-U-G-G-R. Oh, thank you. Uh, yes i did it too fast i left out a letter oh god oh god (laughs) you can email us at 2g1podcast at gmail.com you can also call us and leave us a voicemail we love to get those that number is three four seven eight seven one six five four eight that number again three four seven eight seven one six lit and you can join our discord and ask questions for upcoming interviews recommend topics or just talk with us throughout the week that's discord.gg slash 2g1p finally ali What's going on with Patreon? You should go there and help it out. <laughs> Patreon.com slash 2G1P. You can contribute to this show and help us continue to make these episodes that hopefully you like. So we will see you next week. Thanks, everyone. And don't forget, if you know where this iconic sound is from, <laughs> please let Allie and Jen know on Twitter or Discord. Is that job in the hut? Who? What is that? <laughs> Is that Josh Groban? Who is that? Definitely. That is Josh Groban. His latest yeah. single. Two Girls, One Podcast is hosted by Allison Goldberg and Jennifer Jamula, then traded on Craigslist for a bucket of gently used Pokemon-themed sex toys. I mean, produced and edited by Matt Silverman in New York City. Production assistance is still provided for some reason by the Podglomerate. This podcast is a production of The Daily Dot, the number one source for in-depth reporting about life on the internet. The Podglomerate. A Sonic Universe. Back massage by Katy Perry.